right, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage, made possible like viewer by viewers like you. That is true. Um, so things are heating up a bit in Zuma and not in a cute, fun, sexy way this time. Uh, Baltaim had a disturbing vision of doom and the party came to the conclusion that whatever it is that is happening, it's escalating. Uh, Oriana was called to service once again by her new mysterious uh, mentor, employer, master maybe? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, called to service once again by him, this time tracking down a scholar for reasons. Uh, meanwhile, the rest of the party made disturbing discovery dis um, regarding the person that they are attempting to track down for Lex that namely that person is no longer on this plane of existence, uh, whatever that means. Um, and then later on, Oriana finally got to stick her nose back into a book which she has been sh sh sorely missing um, and thinking, contemplated roofing a man so that they could rob him. Uh, and we'll be talking about all that and more starting in just a minute. And then a bit later, we are going to talk about horror elements in D&D. We're not even close to Halloween, but I want to talk about this now because I like horror. Um, anyway, stick around after the stream for links and cool stuff. And I'm your host, once again, Truth Venson. And this is for, I think, the 44th time, uh, 43rd, What's the Damage? Welcome back. I am joined today by three very exciting guests. We've got our very own Khalil, who plays Baltaim. We've got our very own Chad, who plays Quinn Kenneth. And we've got our wonderful DM, Serenity, back on, at it again. She's always here, but sometimes, only sometimes <laughs> you see her. <laughs> you can only see her sometimes. Anyway, hi, guys. You all made a little bit of progress uh, tracking down that one dude and Baltaim and Oriana are finally inside the library. So what's the damage this time? Um, Key point, little bit of progress. Yeah, I know what I said, and I said it <laughs> yeah. for a reason. We made 
very little very progress. Little. Yeah. Very, very little. Well, but, he's either um, dead or on another plane of existence. That's yeah, zero yeah. stuff yeah. down. He's not in the city. That's yeah, and that is that's a good oh. thing to know. It, he's good. It. He might be in the city. He, he might be, but you know, he also if he is, it's probably not. It's probably worse than we figured. Therefore. Yeah. We now know he either ain't here or we're going into some shit. So I bet he's like in a genie's lamp or something. That's my hilarious. That would be yeah. cool. That's an, yeah, that is a pocket. If that's, what, if, that's, if that's not what's happening now, I'm stealing that from my own uses at some point. You can have it. Um, I can. Awesome. Okay, so uh, to start us off, aren't fortune tellers fun? Uh, <laughs> see, I feel like you've run into like two or three at this point. Um, yeah. yeah. So Ball Taim got his told uh, recently and it was some rather disturbing stuff. Talk to me about it. Um, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. I just was like, oh, one copper. I literally have one copper. Sure, this is something to do. Here, have all my money. My last <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm probably going to get like three. Like I was like thinking like, this is probably just like to reinforce some like fortune. Cause like there was a little bit of reinforcement of some things that have been told to Baltim laughter the creepy stuff. Um, but like, it was like, you know, stuff he's heard from other people telling him things before, but like, I wasn't expecting like that, that, uh, yeah. that situation to happen. But then I realized like that makes perfect sense for that to happen. But mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah is does. this the, is this the first time Baltim seen any of the weird stuff or did you see some stuff in the cave? I don't remember. Um, I didn't see any of the weird stuff in the cave, I don't believe. No. Oh, so yeah, so this is Baltame's first hallucination. Yeah. yeah. Was it good I for mean, you? he like like he didn't like discount anyone's mm -hmm. foretellings of what happened. He was like, Oh no, this like sure, I believe he has no understanding or reason why that people will lie to him for, you know. Like in his group at least. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a, a new new experience for him. Mm -hmm. Probably not a fan of it, though. I mean, that's a good statement. It really is not something to be a fan of necessarily. I mean, with the fortune teller thing, I figured it was going to be, you know, just go and you're like, okay, this is going to be something kind of interesting. Like maybe they'll get it right. Like mm -hmm. one of the people that's like in, like on the street in New Orleans that does tarot, you know, like maybe they'll get something, maybe not, or maybe it'll be mm -hmm. like complete and utter garbage. Like I see you will marry a rich merchant. Like, hold on. <laughs> who are you, who are you reading right now? <laughs> no, just projection. Yeah, just wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're speaking yeah. their own truth into the world, like the secret. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> just using their customers as guinea pigs. Would that be okay? This is gonna be very uh, convoluted, but wouldn't that be a good cover for some kind of like very long incantation, right? Because like. Every every fortune, like you lay out a little bit more of the incantation takes mm -hmm, like yeah. four years. Okay. Uh, I have yeah, no idea how, where or how I'd even use that, but I'm making a mental note anyway. Um, it's an interesting thing to think of, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Could I make that into a plot? Probably. Okay, so um, so all you guys, uh, you talked about the possibility or um, or like the impression that the characters have gotten that. This, that things with this entity were escalating somehow. Do you think this is building up to something? I don't know <sighs> if it's building towards anything or not. I just know that 
we're in the middle of a very disturbing pattern where where before it was every once in a while we would get sort of poked at a little bit mm -hmm. you know like see something weird in the cave then a lot of time passes and then you know somebody has the odd dream and now it's once a day we've been in this town two days and had two weird ass things occur so I don't know if it's building towards anything or if it's just happening more because it's just happening more and they feel like screwing with a lot extra. But um, I'd be interested to see where it does go. Watching the DM be suspiciously quiet there. <laughs> I mean, she's going to say yes or no. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. Um, I don't know if it's, I mean, it's like my knowledge of it, sure. Yeah, it's obviously escalating because like everything has to go to some point, but I don't know if it's necessarily escalating, if that's what I would use. Because, I mean, it's been a long time for us out of game, but I don't, I think it's not been that super long in game since we've been to the caverns. I think it's been, like, maybe a couple weeks. Yeah, so yeah they're about, but still, it's, like, once long. a couple weeks ago, right. and then, like, and then back to back, yeah, time, I could maybe say. a week after that. If right. like, yeah, three times back so. to back. Yeah, and then yeah. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Or the three. So what was the third. Or, um, there was the singing girl. There was. Oh wait, no. Lex it was, was just the singing kid. It was just the singing kids. Yeah, it was back to back. But um, I don't know if that's necessarily like it's escalation or just like trying to rattle us. Like just like keep the like like whenever you like because it's been like a, a couple of weeks. So it's like, hey, just remember, I'm still like out here. I'm still like looking at you. Type yeah. Of thing. yeah. Just because you're in a city necessarily doesn't mean you're necessarily safe. I still yeah. have eyes on you. I still can like interact with you. I might not do anything about it because sure, that's probably not great plan in a city. I won't really get much thing going if like mm -hmm. that whole city is around to protect you. But like I can like keep track of you. I can keep notes on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping it just inevitably turns into the thing that the dread pirate Roberts would do to the to Wesley. Good night, Wesley. Sleep well. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Just like that's what we have is just the threat of death for the following day right. from this thing. Like keep you on your toes a little bit. Are you gonna yeah. take over the Andy's job eventually? I don't know. I mean, that was the whole <laughs> idea behind that. But like, I don't think this thing is looking to retire necessarily. And if it oh. is, it's Kind of pitching at the wrong group. I think yeah. you should join it. <laughs> <laughs> we might have a possibility. Who knows? It's trying to recruit you. It's just got like a really convoluted, weird recruiting strategy. I mean, the thing is, Baltine would be probably the one who would say, like, yeah, I think I'm into it. Why not? <laughs> I think Baltine would be the one that's the least into it. I feel I don't, like. Well, I don't know, man. See, I think I know what you're going to do. And then, like, you just go and do the least expected thing and i'm like what is the thing you would expect ball team to do least wait so you mean campion's gonna join it <laughs> yeah yeah maybe yeah yeah maybe yeah. i think okay. Campion's okay. A, a more of a wild card than i am like... i think campion's is just 10 times more dangerous than i am <laughs> uh, oh yeah no as far as level of danger yes definitely but He's also I'm like I'm like Cookie Zany, like let's do drugs, you know. <laughs> I'll drink this love potion. Kevin's like, let's rob this man and, and bribe him. Oh, good God, that's <laughs> and then like, him. Well, yeah, bribery yeah. was the most reasonable plan you guys came up with. I, the thing is, I mean, I can't like, believe you're gonna roofie him. The you're hell we are. <laughs> let's, let's blow something up to make it. I'll tell you this: if they want to go through with the let's blow some shit up to create a distraction, let's kidnap drug and tie this guy up 
and then pay him to make him go away they can have fun doing that but i can think of two characters right off the bat who will be like fuck you go have fun if you go to jail you're on your own oh wonderful i thought bribing him was the best bribing plan. Him, yeah i mean like, like that's like it's the thing is the bribery part when they were mm-hmm. pitching the idea that didn't come until the end of a litany of horrors yeah like let's beat let's beat him tie him up, drug him, interrogate him. Or I guess we can bribe him. I'm going to do the first couple three first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just go through yeah. the list. Like if they um, led with bribery, they're like, okay, yeah, maybe that. But and then escalate from there. No, 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 back it down, back it down, back it down, back it down. <laughs> oh, that was quite fun. You guys are very, you have very chaotic energy sometimes. <laughs> and no, it's a trait. Okay, lovely. Um, speaking of your uh, party's chaotic energy, um, so I wanted to touch on the the PvP that's happening a little bit mm-hmm. in the party right now, party versus party. Um, so with the conflict between Oriana and Perry, I think Quinn took sides more strongly than any of the other characters. Um, why do you do that? I mean the whole reason he ended up taking a side in that is because the fight was a lot for one um it was something where oriana was again being super disrespectful to perry who in quinn's opinion hasn't earned any of it because Mm -hmm. all she's ever tried to do is help consistently putting everybody else's needs and everybody else's problems in front of any of hers like we have ended up accidentally finding her people twice because we happened to have business going there. She never tried to make us go there, even though she desperately needed to go and try and find them. Like not once have she tried to like force our hand or anything. She's only been trying to look out for the greater good usually. And then for that to happen, that was just sort of like the last straw for one. And then on top of that, the fight put in a lot of things about Oriana's character that are it put them all like right on the front lawn and it's none of the good stuff. Like Mm -hmm. the whole thing that she said about how she trusts the people in the group to not try to trick her or try to lie to her, which is interesting because if that's her definition of trust, then obviously we can't trust her because she's the one that has actually tried to trick the party and to do what she wants. She has lied to the party by being less than truthful or by being completely evasive, hiding stuff. So we can't trust her to do anything that she says she could trust us to do, which is just also not great. And then on top of that, it just adds up to the whole thing of she is persistently negative about whatever we're trying to do. And anytime we want to try and go in a direction, no, I don't want to go there. That's, I don't want to do that. And then it just turns into a whole thing where basically either Quinn or Perry have an idea to go in a direction Oriana has an opposing idea, and then they end up arguing out that whole point while the remainder of the group doesn't try and take a side or anything. So Quinn kind of ended up having to think of just to jump to take sides. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't know why this is happening. I just know that I have run out of the mental real estate to try and figure out anything to do with Oriana because after that, she's been disrespectful to the entire group at that point, showing that she really only gives two shits about what can be done for her in a lot of ways and whatever it is i'm over it she can figure her own crap out she's a big girl 
whatever this is, I'm on, I'm on the side of the person I can actually trust to not get me killed. Harsh words. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, been like a just, long time coming is the thing. Like, oh, and just think like a month ago, you, um, gave, Quinn gave up his water to resurrect Oriana. Yeah, he kind of regrets it. <laughs> like just a, li a little bitty bit, you know, like one of those things where you do something, you know, it's the right thing, but at the same time, you're like, shit. Dang. Um, <laughs> how they repair their friendship. Um, no anyway. idea. <laughs> anyway, um, Baltaim, like, Baltaim's character has taken a slightly different approach than that when it comes to Oriana. This um, latest episode actually saw him reaching out once again towards her and being like, hey, you can you can talk to me if you need to. I think this is um, maybe the second or third time Baltaim specifically tried to reach out to Oriana. Last time you gave her a little pep talk about us, Mateus. Um, yeah, so what, what's Bontaim's, um perspective on this conflict that's happening amongst his party? Um, um, it's kind of difficult because uh, I'm trying to also think in the mind of a neutral character mm -hmm. and also think in the mind of a character that's been like prejudged before like his like as his like race of fallen mm -hmm. um asmar um and he had like his like the whole like point of the of avandra is like you can you can be change your path to wherever you want to be you just because you're on something on doing something and you feel it's wrong you can always just go and do something else if that you feel like you're doing something wrong um so like his point of view is um he wants to always be able to say that he's extended the olive branch to like have someone be the like change in themselves um if uh he if oriana trusts him enough to you know disclose anything or maybe that she doesn't feel like that is um the way that everyone else is confronting her um taking at a different angle like that's something he thinks is like well if i take this at a different angle what is the other side of this coin? Like, why do you think this? Because it's, it might just be that you think this in some way and the other people think it, like, most well, there's two sides of both of some truths. Like, you know, the truth is most times in the middle. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if I can just understand her point of view, maybe I will understand why you think this way and then maybe come back to the conflicting uh, view of, or, of Perry. And um, he hasn't really, he hasn't have he understands that like, Quinn is sort of like skewed, but he hasn't, since Quinn has like, mm -hmm. he wasn't, he hasn't said that out to everyone in the group. He kind of said that just to Perry. Yeah. Um, so right now he just understands the opposing views as, per as Perry and Oriana. So he's like, maybe he can see, get Oriana or Perry to see Oriana's view if it's not coming from Oriana, if it's coming from someone else or another person and how I interpret it. Um, that's my thinking of it. And also, I think Baltaim just kind of understands like there, you you will have to do something that you're not proud of sometimes. Like you, everyone would love to say they can tell the truth or or you know be honest the whole time, but sometimes you have to make do things in life. Like you have to be deceitful sometimes, and that's just how you have to move on to your your ultimate goal of some things. And he's like he's not upset about that. He's I mean parents lie to you most of your life, you know, when you're a kid. So he's not, he understands that there's a point to lying. Like you, there's not a bad thing to lying, but you know, if 
if he can just you know get to a, a, a medium he's he's fine with that that's just mm-hmm. that's kind of his point of view Beltane is a much less rigid character than Quinn I feel yeah so, yeah no I I definitely agree with that honestly he, and with, no go ahead Oh, say so it's like it's interesting because he's he's very impulsive, but he's doesn't like Quinn is impulsive with his like emotions. Mm-hmm. Austin is really impulsive with his emotions. Like he will make an emotional decision on impulse. He'll just do something because like oh I just want to do this, but he won't yeah. be like oh I need to like attack you because you like you know insult me or something like that. Like he's not like like emotionally impulsive. Where I think yeah. as Quinn is a little <laughs> bit more emotionally impulsive. Yes, I will definitely agree with that being true. <laughs> I can't I would not fight that at all and like the, the thing is with Baltium trying to like go back and forth between her and try and figure her thing out a lot of times whenever there's been conflict before you know the smaller conflicts that we've had like because the there have been like the small arguments with like the party and or with you know, people in the party and Oriana and Baltium will like go and talk to her and like hey what it why is this happening and everything and he try and reach out the olive branch which is great I, li- I, I like that with him it's it's really interesting he's always trying to find He's find, trying to find the truth by getting both sides of whatever the story is and trying to put out the opportunity of, you can do differently if you don't like what you're doing, you know. But mm-hmm. like the thing is, it always stops right at they have this great conversation and Bor- and Baltimore's like, yeah, you should really tell other people this. Yeah. The end. <laughs> if yeah. Baltimore would just spill a fuck ton of tea, that might solve some problems. Well, because, yeah, because a lot, cause I think the last time, um, I think specific, uh, specifically, uh, uh, Baltimore was like, you should tell Perry this because he knows she doesn't like to be lied to. He was like, you mm-hmm. should tell Perry this. I, I won't tell her because I, I'm keeping her trust, but I really think you should tell Perry this instead of her learning it from someone else because this will erode her trust more. And he like, he understands that. So he's like, it will come better. From, she might not like it, no matter mm-hmm. what happens. If Who tells her? She might not like it, but she might respect you more if you tell her than mm-hmm. someone else telling her. And then she'll just, she'll understand like at least you have the like the bravery to tell me instead of me finding out for someplace else. else. Um, and I think that's, yeah, I, I don't know if I, he has to start doing that. I don't know if that, what that's, that's what not really in his character though, is it? Yeah. Yeah. No. That's the thing. Like, yeah. He's a, he's a chill. He's, a chill he's, not, he's yeah, not a gossip, a you know, yeah. Yeah. chill dude. Yeah. That's why it's like, safe for yeah, like the only way that it would happen is like, oh, an accident. He's like, oh, yeah, I thought everyone knew this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> oh, no. If you do that, Oriana, she'd never speak again. She'd just like clam up completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Baltaim actually ended up going into the library along with Oriana. Um, what, what is he hoping to find in there? Uh, I mean, <laughs> he really just wanted to do, like, he didn't like need to go right now. He just was like, uh, he just, the way that Oriana's been moving, she's been moving sort of kind of, you know, a little weirdly. Um, and he's like, not the person like, like specifically like, just like, oh, like you're moving weirdly, like what's up? He just like, mm-hmm. he just like, oh, I'll like, like if you're moving weirdly, like I'm not, like, I'm down to move weirdly. I don't, I'm down to <laughs> get my hand dirty. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, uh, like I'll go with you if there's something that's gonna happen. Like, I want to be there to help you if there's something gonna happen. But like, like he understands. Like, it seems like she can't tell us the truth. So like, mm-hmm. I might as well go with her to see what the truth is for myself, and then I can like decide what I want to do with that. Um, but like, other than that, like the reason he went to like he was just gonna like look up the like the stuff in his uh, visions from his um, the 
um, the, um, mm -hmm. the Melora Temple. Um, but that's really the only thing he was sort of interested interested personally that he was mm -hmm. looking up. And I guess since uh, the uh, the whole um, new uh, fortune telling thing, he was kind of interested in doing that. But um, mm -hmm. he wasn't necessarily. He's not really super interested in reading books anyway. So he was just kind of like, he's there for I'm most. Shift. I'm mainly here to like to keep an eye on Oriana and help her if she needs help if she wants my help. But. I guess this is like the books I can do secondly. He's like, uh, I guess. You never asked for any yeah. books on that other stuff though. Yeah, because he's he's also trying to like get- Next there. session. He, he, he feels like he's gonna come back anyway. He's yeah, mostly yeah, trying yeah. to get like, get what- like, Figure out her. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. the rest of the group has to come back at some point and we didn't go in because yeah. we're literally in the middle of that whole thing. We're trying to track down the missing dude. So like- Yeah everybody else that needs to know stuff is going to have to make their way back in there later. So, I mean, unless Baltane wants to just have like a mini vacation out in the city, just to sort of chill and do whatever he yeah. gets to come to. Yeah. Parties. Um, parties, man. Gotta deal with other people. It's like a yeah. big group project, like a big year <laughs> continent spanning group hey, project. See how I it all nets out. Hey. Um, yeah. So, Baltay entered the library for friendship and it's very cute. Um, but Oriana sort of declined to really um, tell him what was going on. Some of that was magical, but she also sort of- Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's also expand. kind of hard because like she can't kind of tell him no, a lot of things. No, she can explain everything yeah. Yeah, she, she told, she told she was like looking for, yeah, yeah. She can't say like why exactly she's doing this. Yeah, yeah. that's like, and I get that. Well, yeah. I characterly, I player-wise get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She hasn't um, fully explored the range of her communication abilities yet, I don't think. Right. Um, yeah, but like, is disappointed that she's declined to take him into her confidence? Um, uh, I don't know if he's disappointed. I mean, I guess in some level of sense he's disappointed. Mm -hmm. he, if he feels like, um, he feels like Quinn will tell him anything. Mm -hmm. um, he feels like Perry will tell the whole group anything. Um, he hasn't got that with, he hasn't, he hasn't necessarily got to that level of Cynric, but he feels like that's, that's becoming a, in the long, well. I mean, Cynric's also not especially talkative. Yeah, that's and, that, and that's why, like, he's like, he's like, if he, he's, under, I think he understands, like, if I ask Cynric, he won't, like, decline me to say, like, he won't just, like, no, I'm not telling you. He'll just, like, oh, this yeah. is what I think of this. Yeah, if, with Cynric, he, he is as communicative with Baltaim as he is with the rest of the group. He's a point where right. if you ask him, he'll tell you whatever the thing is, if he knows the answer. He's not, he doesn't really have anything to hide or any secrets to keep. He so doesn't volunteer you information usually. No, he won't then... give, but he, he won't give it without being prompted. But if you prompt him, it will come. Yeah, and, uh, sometimes, sometimes big a... stuff too, like cord, yeah. which has been mentioned for a couple of days, I think. Yeah, it's just a bag of worms that we're just not going to get into. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> uh, but he he doesn't think Campion has. I don't know. I think Campion is a is, a, is too much of a kindred spirit that he thinks that it's a he's like hiding or deceitful of anything. Mm -hmm. um, that may not be true. He's only met him for he's only known him for a short time. Uh, but he, I guess he is, is somewhat disappointed that Oriana won't like fully, you know, and mm -hmm. fight yeah. and, you know, him, mm -hmm. but he, like, he's not like, like heard about it. Like people yeah. have their secrets for a reason and like, if they want to have their secrets, that's their prerogative. Yeah. I think it's just so chill. Yeah. <laughs> just such a chill dude. It is, yeah. It's um, enviable. 
Yeah. Um, if only we could all have yours then. Anyway, um, so Serenity, have you been enjoying having such a long break from running combat? Because I think it's been like four episodes or something. Yeah, or it's four. Like, yeah, it's been all like RP like three, three sessions or four sessions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like um like introspective like RP sessions. I do like ones where it's more um like skill based stuff mm-hmm. or like investigation or or learning more about the world uh it is hard to watch a group flounder so hard though really Um, bad it's i mean they that like that was a five-hour session and we spent three hours of it them deciding how they were going to go in and talk to a clerk at a storage facility three hours and they actually went to another storage facility i don't really know why i don't know either and i was there to figure out as a part of this continued like three hour discussion. And so like, it's just like, as a DM, it's like, did I make this, did I make this quest too hard? Like, did I, did I, was I not clear enough on like how to approach this or like kind of the steps to take? And they had some really good ideas. Um, They've had some like really solid plans, but I feel like they talk about them for three hours. Eventually the plan, like plan A turns to like plan like aberration, Omega. deep speech, intel unintelligible, <laughs> and and it Plan gets so convoluted yeah. that that uh, that at the end it just it's just like trying to unravel like a knotted ball and and everything falls apart and so it's just hard as a DM because you're like you you so desperately want them to do well and you you want to help facilitate. Um, but, you know, when you just go in and are like, you know, you ask for a person's personal information. Yeah. It, it, there's not a role in the world. You can be as persuasive as you want. It, the person's not just going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're really nice. I don't know who you are. Here's here's this person's address. You want um, your social? And so and so <laughs> like there was no way that they were going to get that information without some kind of arcane influence over this person's mind in order to get, if, th- if that's, if they wanted to go to the direct approach, if you want to like plow through, you have to find a way to do that. There were other ways. And then going back to them, they had like this idea of like invisibility and, and using that. Um, mm-hmm. But then their, their answer was, okay, we're going to poke and prod more about personal information about this guy. What size unit does he have? And then the guy gets like that weirded out and he's like, you already were asking about this person. I gave yeah. you information that they have a unit here, which is as much as I can say. And I understand that you're worried about them or whatever, but I don't know you. There's nothing here that says like you're his best friend or something like that, that you've got like access to his unit. And now you're asking which size, which in any person's mind who's like security or works is like, they're asking this to try and figure out which of these units in my facility are his no i can't give you that information which is why i was like okay you can make the deception check and they did really well which then didn't turn it into a negative interaction the guy was just like oh your private eyes i'm really sorry i still can't give you that information Mm. but i get where you're coming from and uh, you know go to the law enforcement and see if you can get a warrant and then maybe you can get access to it but like that's that's the thing like as a dm you want so badly for the the group to do well and and then you know those kind then and then you know the whole idea of like kidnapping and and um, and like blowing up the side of the building or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, you can, you can certainly try and it might work out. I mean, 
Depending every on, approach, but... every approach is that. But yeah, I do like I do like sitting back and I do like giving the players the freedom to kind of like explore the city and stuff like that, especially a, a large city mm-hmm. like like Zuma, and they'll Lots get plenty of, stuff, of yeah. plenty of opportunities to do that. Uh, it's just hard when uh, it feels like the group gets stuck, like almost mm-hmm. like tunnel visioned on one thing. Um, and now it's really hard as a DM, obviously, to watch with a party split. And I have these various threads that are being tugged, mm-hmm. and I am not sure how it's going to go dependent because we've got one group. They've got their two arcane people, the, the most heavily arcane of the group in the library, mm-hmm. away from the rest of the group who are still doing this investigation into this person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 And I think um, it's uh, going it's on with the, the, uh, the whole. Uh, Kelvor thing, like the like, uh, when I like, like fumbled the bag, like I like I knew like when I like said I was like I mean I I was like this is gonna be like a no like this is gonna stop here because like there's no way he's gonna tell us his personal address or like I was like I if he asking about his storage place I knew like that's already a no go anyway when I like before I even like mouth words like do he's got do you have a home address like we should have like understand as a group like. This was like this was the like this not gonna get us anywhere like asking anything about him anymore so like we need to figure out something else that doesn't involve talking about him or asking quite more questions about him from this place and yeah. I was like and there were some yeah. good ideas you guys did have I'm not gonna tell you which yeah, ones yeah. So I'll leave it up right. to you guys to figure out but you you did have some good ideas there that I was waiting for you yeah to yeah go and we should have I'm saying we should have kept going on that that, <laughs> yeah. that that point and then we kind of went back into going asking more about personal questions yeah like, yeah so well, I mean. So, also, but it's just one of those things. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, whenever we went back in the second time, seeing as how Oriana threw out the idea of fake him into renting a storage unit or something, I thought she was going to be the one that threw out that question. So we started talking like, okay, so we're going to try and rent, yeah. pretend we're in a storage unit, and then Invisible Perry's going to like get down, grab the tablet, look it over, and then you know everything's like. Then she starts asking, like, "Yeah, how that big was... <laughs> is the storage unit that he has?" Like. I, at that point, I was like, I, I'm not even going to try to ask that other question while we're in here because this guy is just, I'm pretty sure this guy I is- I honestly thought that was what we were doing, done. but then, yeah. I, I thought that's what we were doing too. That's the thing. Like, I was yeah. in there like, yeah, yeah, let's 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 go ahead and execute this plan. And then all of a sudden, the hell just happened? Yeah, it's just one of those things. But yeah, I do I do enjoy like sitting back. I hate mm-hmm. combat. Like combat takes so long. And as a D, mm-hmm. like anyone who's DM'd knows- it doesn't yeah. matter whether you have like one monster or like five or like 10. It's like hard because you're like paying attention to what all the, the player characters are doing. You're trying to like tactically understand like what, what these specific monsters are doing or if they're intelligent characters, like how they're going to interact. You got to remember all their like stats and abilities. And so like that is just hard on the brain space. So it's always much more fun to like have them delving you know, a maze and like have weird mm-hmm. things pop out or like have them do a skill challenge or something like that. So yes, I do enjoy that more. So I just, I feel like I'm worried because this is such a big city and there's so much going on and the group is very heavily not getting along right now. And this is a bad mm-hmm. time to have this friction um, and kind of be continuing moving forward. I honestly think the group needs to like talk it like, out. Yeah. They have to have their come to Jesus mm-hmm. moment because if they don't, it, it may turn out poorly for them. What honestly, I am all for, especially in character, because like one of Quinn's biggest problems with what's going on with Oriana is not only like the the backbiting comments about, you know, whenever Perry tries to do something, but it's also the fact that she has been so evasive and been so, you know, dishonest with so many different things. If she would actually just start being completely straightforward for once, 
that would go a long way to like rebuilding shit. And I am at the point where I'm willing to have Quinn prepare zone of truth and just say, look, motherfuckers, I'm going to cast this. All of you people fail it. We're going to sit here for half an hour. I'm going to use all my slots that it takes for this. And we are going to figure this out. The zone of truth lost? Like oh, I, think ten minutes. Minutes. I think it's 10 yeah, minutes. I think it's 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So it would be all his slots because paladins only have like three, two levels. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. So for thirty minutes, it's the half hour of honesty. My God. Yeah, shit would get weird. (laughs) Now I want you to do it. I want to see how weird it get. Do not tempt me. (laughs) That is on the table. (laughs) Temptation. Um, Okay, so with that interesting stuff happening um we're gonna move on to our topic for today which is horror elements in D, the creepy stuff the crawly stuff the um existentially terrifying stuff you know um so first question just a general like do you like it when it gets a little bit creepy in D? if it's done well do like do you like the on your skin if, if it's done well then yeah it adds something to it like i've I am not a fan of a lot of horror movies because of what the horror genre has kind of split off to be. How crazy can this get? How gross can this get? How can we shock people with just showing them crazy things that are just... We're in a horror renaissance right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a bit, but like a lot of it that I've... Basically, the stuff that kind of turned me off was basically, Mm -hmm. you know, shit like Saw. Like, okay, so you have a bit of a plot twist. (laughs) It is, yeah, but like that that kind of thing. Like, Saw was kind of the beginning of a bunch of shit. And like... You didn't like gore. I just, I feel like if you're going to do it, at least do it for a reason and do it well. My my thing with horror is if you're going to do it, I need you to get inside my fucking head. I need you to tap into the invisible monsters that live back there. And I need you to make them come out because that is the kind of shit I'm here for. You know, prey on my insecurities, make me actually lose sleep over something, really get in there and mess me up. Then I'm all for it. But if it's just like, if it's basically just some human centipede type shit, I'm out. Gross. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like it, I guess. Um, I just don't know how, like, I like I just don't know how effective it is on me personally. I'm not like, mm-hmm. I'm like afraid of like silly things. Like <laughs> so, what? Like, what like, are you like, of? like I was like I was like like wow, I was afraid of like the Terminator movies for like no reason. <laughs> no, that's a valid fear. One day the machines will rise up against us. But and... not for that reason. It's just because like I knew like Arnold Schwarzenegger was like a machine. That's like that's why I was afraid. I was just like, you know what? Uh, Oh, you know what my funniest fear was when I was really, really little? Um, so do you, guys, do you guys know The Wiz? Yes. The yeah. musical? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay, those those trash cans that tried to eat them mm-hmm. in the subway gave me nightmares for years. I was so scared <laughs> of trash cans. <laughs> like, But just the big ones in the subway. Oh. I, yeah. uh, I love horror. I've been a horror nerd. Like, horror was my favorite set of movies when I was like growing up I don't know why like mm-hmm. when I was younger so my brother's five years four and a half years older than me and mm-hmm. he would he started watching like Jason when I was like I don't know he was like 12 and I was like seven and I it terrified me I had nightmares I had to like sleep in my parents room I was I was off it was awful but I don't know like once I became a teenager like horror was my genre and I, I, I've been into every type of horror, body horror, like, you know, um, mysterious horror, like, um, like, you know, serial killer, 
um, like eldritch, um, like, mm-hmm. you know, extraterrestrial, like, you know, uh, so like I've done it all. I tend to like not really anymore like the overly gory horror. Mm-hmm. Like I still like body horror in the sense of like the scariness, like what happened yeah. when they did in uh, season three of of Stranger Things, loved it. Uh, like I love that hearkening back to like the blob and, and those kinds of movies. But I don't like the like, like the Saw movies and stuff like that, yeah. that like the gratuitous horror um, like that they did in the later Saw movies. The first one was good, but the later ones just like to me was like, they were just trying to make traps that were more and more fantastical that like mm-hmm. pulled people's bodies apart or whatever. And to me, it's just like, eh. Um, yeah. But I do, I do like horror, and that's why, like in this campaign, I'm actually doing a lot of like the eldritch kind of terror, um, and it's more of like the mess with your head, um, mm-hmm. what's what's behind you that you don't see, or what's watching you from the shadows, mm-hmm. um, and what's making you what's making you constantly looking over your shoulder mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I I like that for a D and D campaign. Um, because you're going to get the gore and stuff like that when you go in down into like the underdark and fight the weird creatures that are living yeah. there. You're going to get a little bit of gore <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But it's the the stuff that makes players think twice about the actions that they're taking and like, you know, what's going to happen if I do this, if I make this choice. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like on that topic, how how as a GM do you create like the atmosphere of dread that you need for a good horror type thing? <laughs> I think a lot of it is the things that aren't there like what is it that you don't see what is it that you're only alluding to existing the stuff that is just outside of the player's perception the stuff that is only there in a whisper you know it's it's a lot of atmospheric type stuff you know like you don't put the monster in the room if you want them to be afraid you make them think the monster could be there or they don't know where the thing is or what it can do. You just have the idea of it. The idea is what's scary. The actual monster isn't. Yeah, I think that's, I agree with that. Like the, the, the sense, just having the sense of like, you don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, that is a very good way to just have this dread of like, like is something like in this room with me? Am I like you know just like imagining things or am i just mm-hmm. like um like is this just an effect of something else that's has nothing to do with the monster at all you just are like kind of losing a little bit like kind of like i don't know but i don't know if we're talking about it but like kind of like this, the sanity type of thing in a dm like dmg type of thing mm-hmm. um that sort of stuff yeah for sure that kind of like helps breathe that air of like dread and like that nodding or something like what's really like like behind my shoulder type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. I think a good description. Yeah. Speaks the world. Yeah. Like if you can describe yeah. an atmosphere to a point where like the players feel it, um, that's horror. Like that's mm-hmm. true horror is like when the players are like, oh shit, like where did we just step into? Um, and also like the things that you spring upon them when they least expect it. Uh, a fortune teller giving them a portent of of doom or some kind of whatever Um, when they're thinking that they're just like walking down the street and then they now second guess everything that's happening 
you know, like those moments are, are, I think the key horror moments uh, in, in D&D. And if you can find those and tap into those, um, like that, that does more than any kind of creature you create or any kind of, you know, um, you know, adventure or anything like that. It's just like, if you can describe a dark wood or a dank cave where the shadows are licking at your hair or something like that, like that's enough, I think, to, to put you in, in the atmosphere. And then it also helps to have like good music or something like that to also mm-hmm. set the mood and, and things like that. But I, I like using that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Well, because the thing that's very convenient about playing D&D is you're playing D&D with humans. And humans are full of insecurities and fears. We have all been afraid of the dark because when we are children, we believe that monsters live there. Eventually we outgrow that and we think the monsters aren't there, but you're putting people in a setting where, no, no, the monsters actually are there. They know where you are and they're getting hungry. And you can prey upon those base insecurities that are all back in like the very, very back of the mind. You know, like people do not like the dark. They do not like being alone. They do not like feeling cut off from everything and having no way to get out of something. Mm-hmm. People don't like feeling trapped. You push and you push and you push all those little buttons. And then you just watch your puppets dance in fear. <laughs> Oh, fun times. Yeah, the monsters are really there. I do want to talk about monsters, actually, because, like, monsters are standard issue in D&D. Like, how, so how can you take something as, yeah, there, there is things they book about them. Um, (laughs) The waifu manual. Um, So, so how do you take something as familiar to D&D players as a monster fight and make it scary? How do you make that terrifying? context. Um, one thing that I did, because uh, I've been running uh, Curse of Strahd, and I, I stole this from someone online because I really I thought it was a good idea, but there's basically in the basement of the, um, the house you go through at the very beginning, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the murder house, as it's called, you fight a shambling mound, which is, you know, a sentient garbage pile, which, okay, that's interesting but the thing that i yeah it's disgusting but the thing that i found had the idea of because there were all these sacrifices being done down here by this cult Mm -hmm. and adding a few other things into that it wasn't just a pile of garbage that they would feed people to this was basically the reanimated remains of everyone and everything they ever murdered down here added together in this conglomeration of parts that would try to kill you and Mm -hmm. then it it just goes from being the standard, you know, grassy garbage pile that looks like a drunk swamp thing to being something worse because Mm -hmm. the context of the entire place all points at this is the culmination of every horrible thing that was ever done here and you are going to face it down right here, right now. Roll some fucking dice. Um, yeah, I think um, I think that also there are just some monsters that kind of have that air of like tension when you like see or like if you know that monster is or you like you hear what the, like description of this monster you're like ooh I don't like this already like you know like there's certain like just like 
elder like like things like ju- like oozes and like Siberiacs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You're just like you're describing them like pustules of like bleeding, mm-hmm. like you know, it's just like you can describe them very like descriptively and like Discreet. it's just kind of like it yeah. kind of like uh like you I kind of already get like a little bit of like hair on the back of your neck type of setting up like thing describing them and like they're just certain monsters that just have that air of like disgustingness and like fear mm-hmm. when you just have like when you know what they are you describe <laughs> what they are yeah well, and there's also of course the classic monsters where it doesn't matter how long someone has been playing D if this is like their first game or their you know their 5,000th game, there are some where just by reputation alone, mm-hmm. you know exactly what this thing is capable of. Like you throw out the word beholder and like, oh, there is fuck. <laughs> there is already, see? See, thank you, right there, right there. There is a reaction. There is like, people have an expectation of, oh no. Yeah. Like they, there is an expectation of, of its capabilities. There is an expectation of how badly this whole thing could go. And then it's just a matter of, you take that and you just sort of build on it to like, you know, you, you, since we're talking horror, like what this thing can and is going to do to you, you know, like. I, yeah, I, I like repurposing things so that the players don't know what to expect. Like it's one thing to walk into a room and see a beholder. And yes, there's that fear of, of in general, like, okay, mm-hmm. this is gonna be a tough fight and I'm scared. But I like the idea of like something like for instance, like a great method of cultivating horror is like using like something that can mask their appearance, like a rakshasa or a, a doppelganger, um, or using like an adult oblex. Like mm-hmm. the characters are going to be interacting with the thing and have literally no idea what mm-hmm. what they're what's bringing them to their certain doom. Um, or maybe it's something they can't see at all that's like invisible to them that you know uh is again is at the edge of their senses and pounces on them uh the moment um they're unaware or they get to a certain point and i i like like to me i like that kind of horror more so like th- there are good obviously monsters that that can always be creepy and stuff like that um but i find again like the the true horror is the things that you you don't expect and a lot of that is like homebrewed like when they fought the drowned spirit in the bottom of the the sewers you know that mm-hmm. was a culmination and it was something they'd never experienced before and the idea of this thing like splashing up from the water and then going away and they had no idea where it was mm-hmm. going to pop up next mm-hmm. like i like those kinds of encounters i find those more fun and like th- there's a standard of like how to d- how to fight a beholder. Like there's a standard mm-hmm. of like how you handle it, you know. Um, but something that a, a player's never ever seen and, and has like different mechanics and different tactics, I find that fun because then the players kind of, again, everyone's on equal footing. Whether you've been playing D and D for 15 years or you've been playing D and D for one day, you know. So. Yeah, your meta knowledge can't help you. Exactly. <laughs> um, cool. So what about combat like going off of um moving on from the monster thing is there a way to make combat scary because it's very stop and start and it's very mechanical like even if you have like little bits of flavor like um every time you kill something or whatever is there a way to make that part of the overall atmosphere Um, of a horror game i would say no the only thing that can make it scary is like like what serenity said is something that you've never like that's just unknown like something that happening that 
I think like like if like a beholder, if you were fighting a beholder and something that maybe you've homebrewed that this you like you know a beholder can't usually do, you've like change something around like just and it's beholder does it. That can be something that's like gives you pause and like, whoa, like I've never seen a beholder like free fired to for example or something like that. Like that can be something that makes it scary, but I think because it so like start stop you can think about your next turn think about what's going on in the battlefield that's it kind of lessens like the immediate aura effect to me personally i think that you can still maintain the horror by just sort of kind of combining all the stuff that we've that we've been mentioning like it's it's easy to maintain horror if you're using say a legendary creature in its lair that has a bunch of stuff that it could do, a bunch of stuff that the lair itself can do. And then it's because it then it's just it's basically acting like you know three, four times or so per round. The lair is also doing stuff. And so, like every couple of turns, then you've got something new is happening. You know, like all of a sudden, um, because I I end up doing something else because you know, in the game I'm DMing, where I basically made a giant ghost dragon. And the dragon itself had stuff it could do. And then there are also actions that the lair took where it summoned mm -hmm. spirits of the dead to do stuff to the party, to uh, like try and hurt them or try and just, you know, scare them and drive them crazy and stuff like that. Like so the fact that I, I completely just made this up by combing through some stuff on the internet and a couple of, you know, homebrewed monster books that I own. And by doing that, I was able to sort of keep the tension up, you know? Mm -hmm. And because with the combat, it's, you can keep the horror vibe running if you can keep the tension going. If you lose that, then you lose it. Hmm. And it just turns into another fight. Yeah, I think, I mean, it depends on like, I don't know if it's considered horror per se, but like probably like suspense. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that happens honestly in like any fight that's going. Yeah poorly for the group mm -hmm. or that's like against something that's like scary because the the suspense is like oh my god is my character going to die um yeah i think in a horror sense like yeah like some yeah you can do weird things with the lair that like cause um cause issues but i i, I agree like i don't like combat is it's your turn now like you still get mm -hmm. to choose what you want to do in that moment and you can take a bit of time to kind of like figure out like what's your next move um, uh, it's not things that are like happening, like, you know, every second. And, uh, right. unless the DM is planning for this fight to not reach a conclusion and is going to happen, have some story beaten and, you know, maybe a skill challenge happen or yeah. like, you know, you're going to have to run away and you have to make dice rolls to see if you, you know, get out of the shadow mist before it consumes your soul or something like that. You, the fight is the fight and you, you kind of go with whatever D and D mechanics are there. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's always that tension, you know, if, if this entity can mind control one of the party members and now you have a party member plus this entity fighting you, mm -hmm. if this, you know, if this thing can like, disintegrate you, yeah, if this thing can disintegrate you, if it can go invisible and you can't see it, if it mm -hmm. can blind you, like all of those mm -hmm. kinds of things I think can be like suspense driven, but they're not like the true horror in the sense of like what I would normally consider horror. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd agree. It's because it's more like with what I was saying. It's you, you have to be able to maintain a vibe that you've already set. Because like it's easy. To, you know, it's like I say, it's easy to do if you have like the legendary creatures that can do so much stuff. Because you got more chances to like keep the tension going and keep it going and you know keep that moving. You can't really do much to horrify your players with a fight. You can just keep them on edge and you can keep the tension of the atmosphere you've already built running. 
but that's that's about all you can do with combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. D&D combat, think, at least. Yeah, well, D&D combat. Yeah, D&D combat, yes. Yeah, I think combat can be nerve-wracking, but it's not usually scary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it's too meta. Like, there's too much meta stuff going on. Exactly. Um, I'm sure you can probably, you can, I'm sure it's possible, but I wouldn't know how to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, also, it is the worst when you have to fight one of your own party members plus the monster it's just mm-hmm. it's always bad um i remember that happened that's exactly what happened during the halloween game which was a while ago now but i think definitely horror um so i was wondering like sorry you ran the halloween game you like weave elements of scary shit into the regular game um chad you just finished up curse of straw the first leg um mm. or the, the main quest, whatever. Um, the murder of the yeah. vampire, yes. The murder of the vampire. Khalil, I'm not sure if you've ever run anything horror themed or not. Run Strahd before. You've run Strahd. Okay, so everybody's run something. I want to know like what is different about prepping and running these horror themed, very atmospheric um, games versus like a standard game or versus the Shields uh, campaign. Um, I would say it's definitely, it's, I mean, it depends because it's not more descripting but it's like more descripting in a different way type of type of deal like mm-hmm. you can like describe something in like a normal campaign where it's like you miss one or two things in like a normal campaign it's like it's they get the gist it's all right but like in a horror campaign you have to like actively describe something like very precisely or it kind of just like hits like it misses the the mark mm-hmm. sort of type of deal and like everything has to be like timed correctly like if you mm-hmm. don't time something in your main game you can like uh, they're supposed to be this NPC here, but I can kind of like rebrand this NPC someplace else in another city if they don't touch on it, and like it's fine, it'll just be all right. But like in like a horror element, it's got like everything's got to like hit on the mark, or you just kind of like lose that that sort of like the like total the thing kind of comes down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it's all about trying to maintain the atmosphere of the the atmosphere of the horror of the tension and of everything, because you have to. When you're doing the descriptions, you have to be very selective about your adjectives. And you want to give the environment traits that are normally attributed to a person. Like say that things are moving in a way that you don't normally describe things moving, or say this is acting in a way that doesn't normally act. You know, like you need to make sure that whatever you're choosing to describe what's occurring is off, is abnormal. But if you're just doing it regularly, then it doesn't matter. You can basically describe it as, all right, well, there is a there is a cart. You see a cart on the right. side of the road. Mm-hmm. But if you're describing that cart and you're trying to build some tension of horror, you need to describe the condition of the cart. Is it, you know, It's in bad shape. Does it look like something has happened there? Does it look like it was abandoned? Does it, mm-hmm. like, what are the little things you can point out that'll sort of give the... Right you give them a, some details to latch on to because what's one thing with the horror descriptions is give someone the right detail and their brain will do a lot of the work for you. You know, you give them something to fill in some blanks and then you see them talking like, okay, I'm going to add to that now. I'm going to push that detail. You like that? Oh, so you, you think the broken spoke on that wheel is a big deal? Sure as fuck is now. <laughs> and now it's like a, it's a rickety, rusted, molded cart. Like now there's just more like descriptive, like now like mm-hmm. playing cart is just, Change to something else, you know. Yeah, you give everything an or menace. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I you know you guys know I I like Eldritch Horror. That's what I did to you in in the Halloween game uh, with the yep. false Hydra. Um, everything was what you didn't see uh, mm-hmm. until you did. 
um, and everything was the things that you interacted with, like the poem and the song um, mm-hmm. and the things that like just generally. And I honestly like I do the same thing really in in the the Ao Tanya campaign I'm in our Roll for Damage game. Um, it's just not as permeable as um, as like our Halloween one shot because it isn't the whole thing like there's a world outside of the horror that that's going on there are still happy moments to be had like everything is not miserable at least not yet um but uh but there there is that but when they're in those moments you know when they were when when you know they were starting to get angry for no reason and when they were going towards that ruin and when they met those you know the, the, when they were down in the, the ruins of madness and the things that were happening to them there like there it's it's very descriptive and it again it's the things that they interact with um it's the the stories that they hear it's the weird visions around town that they see it's the strange dreams um and that's kind of how you keep the atmosphere of of the tension and the horror and like what's going on behind the scenes so nice okay and that's almost our time do you have any uh, closing tips for doing horror the right way in the D&D universe. I think, well, okay. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. I think, um, <laughs> well, I, for me, for me personally, um, I, I'm not like, like I said, I'm like scared of like silly things. I think for me, it's more effective when like how like Cerny's done it in our campaigns. There's like, there's like a, there's like a general like kind of like a little bit of creepy element, but like, I like, it's more effective for me when there's horror is like a, a element and not like the whole thing. Like I, I know I'm going into a horror thing. I'm like already kind of like, you know, I'm like already prepared to be like kind of like creeped out. I think it's more effective when like horror is like as added as an element. Like when I, like for me, like the boys, like when there's horror elements and like things I'm just not expecting and like, it's like not a genre I'm expecting horror to be added in. It's more effective for me, I think personally. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. Um, yeah. I, uh, I would say like the, the really important thing is to, again, if you're going to try and weave it in and you want it to be subtle is to really understand like, what are the things you're going to put in your environment for the players to find, like really think about those things and make them consistent. Um, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a longer running campaign, um, like don't have to retcon yourself later, um, like really understand the foreshadowing that you're putting in or the things that you want them to find um, that are going to like add that like sense of dread um, uh, and, and that will really, really help. But like, I again, it's all atmospheric and it's all the things that like the players can interact with. I feel like that the tangible things, the things that they can, you know, touch, smell and feel almost in the campaign are, are, are the things that are going to immerse them more so than mm-hmm. the monsters or the things that they're going to end up fighting because they're they're PCs they have cool abilities and then they're likely going to be able to take on whatever challenges in front of them but it's getting to that challenge and all of the like twists and weaves getting there is, is the exciting immersive element so figure out how to put those things in yeah and i think also going off of that it's not just the things that they can you know interact with see smell touch and all that and in some cases, lick. Um, it's also the things that they can't interact with, the things that aren't there. Because 
the description of a room with filling in all the details and making sure you describe, you know, like the broken piano is almost like a desiccated corpse of a beautiful thing. And you put all these grim details and stuff, but it's also what you don't tell them is there. The things that you just allude to, the things that will just sort of creep into the back of their mind and fill in the gap that you left. Because you can't really scare your players as much as they can scare themselves by filling in a gap with information that you didn't give them. There you go. Let them come to the worst conclusion possible. Exactly. Okay. Let them awesome. theorize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Theorize to death. Like they um, do in my game. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for your horror wisdom and for being on my show. Once again, another beautiful week. Uh, make sure to tune in again next week for more of this. Make sure to tune in on Friday for more of that. Uh, that being real for damage. <laughs> so the thing that we talk about here. that. Yeah, yeah, this and that. That should have just been the name of our show. It's this and that. This and that. (laughs) This and that. Oh, just have a fancy ampersand in the middle, and it would work. Guys, we're doing that tonight. (laughs) We're doing this tonight. No, we're not. We're not doing. No, this is next week. We're doing that. that I don't want to do this. I want to do that. (laughs) My God, we're just. People would be. Who's on first? Um. Anyway, (laughs) check out. Check out our Discord. We've got memes. Check out our YouTube. We've got every episode we've ever done, everything. There are a lot of them now, so you'll have a lot to watch. Um, check out our store. We've still got t-shirts, 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 and mugs and stuff, and it's really cool. I have my t-shirt. I'm not wearing it. It's in my closet, but I own it, and I feel like you should know. Um, <laughs> anyway, have a great night. Happy May 4th. Well, yeah, May the 4th Have be with you. Day. And also Have with you. Day. Thank you. See you guys later.